Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 1 Kings chapter 16, and today's title is, This is Why We Can't Have Nice Things. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. When my girls were real little, we would just we just made this, this realization at one point. We had this old furniture that had stains all over it and everything. And there was this part of us that when people would come over to our house, you know, we wanted to do the best we can with what we had, right? But we had little kids. And so finally, we just made our peace with it. And when people would come over to our house, we would just go ahead and say, here's the thing. We've got small kids, and it's almost like they can't live a day until they spill something sticky and something that will make stains on everything. So this is why we can't have nice things, <laughs> because we're just not in a place where we can handle it right now. One day we will be, but not today. Well, the nation of Israel is very much in that place. Things are getting worse and worse and worse, and God is showing them this is why bad things happen. We're going to get into it in just a moment, but as always, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you leave us a five-star review on the podcast. It really does help us get the word out, and as always, we all gather together at the Facebook discussion group, Bible Breakdown Discussion, and it is amazing. Man, the more we dig, the more we find. And I want to say thank you to all of those wonderful people who are writing those devotions every day. It's one of my favorite things about this, this community we're creating is that we get to do that together. If you have your Bibles, you want to open up with me to 1 Kings chapter 16. What we're going to see in this chapter is one king after another is just getting progressively worse. And then what that king is going to do is that king is going to try to wipe out the memory of the king before them. And then what's going to happen is the nation of Israel is going to split again because of just chaos. And as the leadership continues to get worse and worse, the nation itself begins to decay more and more. And as we're going to see this starting to happen, what we're going to see is, is that more and more chaos is happening, which then means more and more of God's judgment starts to happen as his blessing begins to lift off of the nation of Israel because he kept telling them, hey, if you follow me, all the good things. If you don't follow me, I'm going to lift my hand of blessing and all the bad things. And it's almost as if they said, ah, I don't believe him. Well, <laughs> and this is why we can't have nice things. And so if you're ready, let's just get into it together. God's word says this, 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 1. This message from the Lord was delivered to King Baasha by the prophet Jehu, son of Hanai. I lifted you out of the dust to make you ruler of my people Israel, but... You have followed the evil example of Jeroboam. You have provoked my anger by causing my people Israel to sin. So now I will destroy you and your family, just as I destroyed the descendants of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. The members of Baasha's family will die in the city, and they will be eaten by dogs, and those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures. Once again, remember that was the same thing God said about Jeroboam, and it happened. The rest of the events in Baasha's reign and the extent of his power are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Baasha died, he was buried in Terzah. Then his son Elah became the next king. The message of the Lord 
against Baasha and his family came through the prophet Jehu of Hanai, and it was delivered because Baasha had done what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as the family of Jeroboam had done. He also, because Baasha had destroyed the family of Jeroboam, the Lord's anger was provoked by Baasha's sins. Elah, the son of Baasha, began to rule over Israel in the 26th year of King Asa's reign in Judah. He reigned in the city of Terza for two years. Then Zimri, who commanded half the royal chariots, made a plan to kill him. One day in Terza, Elah was getting drunk at the home of Urza. Already a bad sign. This guy was a supervisor of the palace. Zimri walked in and struck him down and killed him. This happened in the 27th year of King Asa's reign in Judah. Then Zimri became the next king. Zimri immediately killed the entire royal family of Baasha, leaving him not even a single male child. He even destroyed distant relatives and friends. <laughs> wow. So Zimri destroyed the dynasty of Baasha as the Lord had promised through the prophet Jehu. This happened because of all the sins Baasha, the son of Eli, had committed. And because of the sins they led Israel to commit, they provoked the anger of the Lord, the king of Israel, with their worthless idols. The rest of the events in Eli's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. Zimri began to rule over Israel in the 27th year of King Asa's reign in Judah, but his reign in Terza lasted only seven days. Serves him right, all right? For Killing the king like that. The army of Israel was then attacking the Philistine town of Gebrothon. And when they heard that Zimri had committed treason and had assassinated the king, that very day they chose Omri, commander of the army, as the new king of Israel. So Omri led the entire army of Israel up from Gebrothon to attack Terza, Israel's capital. And when Zimri saw that the king had been taken, saw the city had been taken, he went to the citadel of the palace and burned it down over himself, and he died in the flames. If you're a Lord of the Rings fan, it reminds me of that scene in the third movie, all right? That's kind of like what happened, only no one saved him. He burned down the stronghold with himself inside. That sounds very painful. Verse 19, For he too had done what was evil in the Lord's sight. And he followed the example of Jeroboam in all the sins he had committed and led Israel to commit. The rest of the events in Zimri's reign and his conspiracy are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. But now the people of Israel were split into two factions. Half the people tried to make Tibni, son of Ganeath, their king, while the other half supported Omri. But Omri's supporters defeated the supporters of Tibni, so Tibni kill, was killed, and Omri became the next king. Omri began to rule over Israel in the 31st year of King Asa's reign in Judah. He reigned 12 years in all, six of them in Terza. Then Omri bought a hill now known as Samaria from its owner, Shemir, for a hundred pounds of silver. He built a city on what is now called uh, Samaria in honor of Shemir. Now, pause real quick. If you remember Samaria in the New Testament, you can look at John chapter 4, and you can see that Samaria and Israel are right there side by side. Now, by the time you get to the New Testament, a lot of things happen that cause Samaritans and the Jewish people to become bitter enemies. But 
That is how it all started, was right here and now in this chapter. Several, several, several hundreds of years later, it eventually would become two areas where Jesus would then go into Samaria and start to preach the good news to them. But it all began back here. Verse 25, But Omri did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. He followed the example of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and all the sins he had committed and led Israel to commit. The people provoked the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, with their worthless idols. The rest of the events in Omri's reign, the extent of his power, and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Omri died, he was buried in Samaria, and then his son, King Ahab, became the next king. Now here we go. Ahab, son of Omri, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Asa's reign in Judah. So remember, King Asa, he's over in Judah doing his thing. And while he's doing his thing, all of this chaos is happening in Israel. He reigned in Samaria, Ahab reigned in Samaria, 22 years. But Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. And as though it were not enough to follow the sinful example of Jeroboam, he married Jezebel. Remember her? Have you ever heard of her in the Bible? She, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ethbal of the Sidonians, and he began to bow down in worship of Baal. First, Ahab built a temple and an altar to Baal in Samaria. Then he set up an Asherah pole. He did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. It was during his reign that Hael, the man of Bethel, rebuilt Jericho. When he laid its foundations, it cost him the life of his oldest son, Abram. And when he completed it and set up its gates, it cost him the life of his youngest son, Segub. This all happened according to the message from the Lord concerning Jericho, spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. So as you can see, things are getting worse and worse and worse. And so once again, first of all, it is an obvious thing. The reason why God is not, quote unquote, giving them nice things, you know, peace and prosperity and all this stuff is because they continue to turn their backs on God. Like I said at the beginning of our podcast today, when my kids were little, we just said, we're, we're not even going to try because our kids are at that age. They're just going to mess it up. But a time will come, right? And it's almost like God is doing the same thing. He's just backing off because it's going to get worse and worse and worse. But the great thing is, it's not over. As we said from the very beginning of 1 Kings, one way to look at this is our history tells a story, but it doesn't tell the whole story. And if you left the nation of Israel at this chapter, if we finished, it would be terrible. Well, well, no wonder they were exiled. No wonder they were subdued and conquered. Look at all the evil. But God is always working too. And what we're going to see starting tomorrow is one of the greatest prophets to live is born during this time. And God starts to do amazing things through his life. And God starts to work and to save the nation of Israel. So the encouragement for us is, is that sometimes we'll go through seasons like this where it seems like things get, go from bad to worse. But can I tell you, just like today, when we finish our reading, it's going to be, you know, it's bad. It's not so good. What we're going to do tomorrow is we're going to turn the page and we're going to see God was working the whole time. Can I tell you in your life, sometimes it's going to look bad. 
You know, sometimes things are going to get real bad. Well, Pastor, I wish you'd be more positive. Okay, well, I'm positive. Sometimes things are going to look bad. But you know what else I'm positive about? God hasn't left you. He's not given up on you. And that sometimes it's when it looks the darkest, God's doing the most work. We just can't see it. So many times, your story's not over. It's just God is getting ready to turn a page. And what we're going to see starting tomorrow, God's going to start turning the page on the nation of Israel. Now it's going to be up to them what they do with it. But there's going to be a season when God says, let me remind you how strong I truly am. Maybe you're just around the corner from God wanting to remind you and everyone around you just how strong he truly is. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you, God, that you're with us in all things. I'm so thankful as I'm reminded of times in my life when it seems so dark, it seems so lonely, it seems so dreary, it seemed like there wasn't any good thing happening. But just around the corner, I realized later you were working the whole time. You were doing more than I could have imagined. I pray today for everyone who is listening and watching this, Lord, that you will remind them of who you are, that you are above and beyond anything we could ask, think, or imagine. And because of who you are, all things are possible. We celebrate that now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to see this coming up the next few chapters, but Elijah is going to challenge all of us when he says this to the entire nation in 1 Kings 18. How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. Can I tell you, there's never been a message more important for our generation. If the Lord is God, it's time to sell ourselves out and fully follow him. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for 1 Kings chapter 17.